I love that just kind of in your face question because it brings forth to me um, a Jesus that's a real person. And Jesus comes from the Father in heaven. He is all God and he is all human. And the miraculous thing is that he never sinned. So if anytime you dilute one of those two things, you start to get a less than accurate image of who Jesus, the son of God was. And we, are, we do that because we're, we're perfect at rationalization. Like we rationalize things and, the, and we, we try to find a Jesus that's palatable. Uh, we, we try to pull some of the things of the personality of Christ away and we, we make him boring and he's not boring. And we really try to fashion a Jesus that we can control. And so this question, what makes Jesus mad? It kind of makes some of us step up and be like, well, Jesus, well, Jesus was never mad. All Jesus ever did was hang out with like little kids and, and loved them. Like he's some glorified babysitter who is perfect, the perfect nanny who never got mad in any way. And if you've got a picture of, in your mind of Jesus in the field and all the kids are there and he's, he's playing with them and it's just this perfect uh, beginning of a Disney movie moment, um, that's a sliver of who his personality is. That did happen. That's, that's accurate. And we can come to him like children. But if you read who Jesus was actually in the Bible, you're going to be maybe offended because he's blunt and sarcastic and in your face. And he's mad a lot of the time. It's like, well, I don't want Jesus to be mad a lot of time. Well, I'm sorry, but there was stuff that he should get mad about. And so that's why we're asking this question. It's kind of a myth-busting series for us. We're trying to bust up some inaccurate myths about who Jesus was. I, my wife and I, we have the opportunity uh, at times, not, not as much as we want because we love doing this, but doing premarital counseling. Uh, one of my good buddies, Mickey Pittman, who's our executive pastor, and his wife, Kathleen, they do a ton of this. And if you're a young person, uh, some of our high school students are over here, and you hang out around us, very often, you're going to get something you didn't ask for, advice, okay? We're just going to give it to you, especially when it comes to dating. And uh, people can even, uh, we're registered. If you try to uh, get a marriage license here locally, our church is registered as someone, you, I think you get a discount or something if you go and get counseling, you know, premarital counseling. And so, you know, hey, 50 bucks, some people are willing to do it. 50 bucks off a marriage license. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll do it, 50 bucks an hour. And so we get a crack, Jen and I, we get a crack. And one of the things we tell young couples, especially you girls, young, young ladies, if you're if you're uh, of dating age or uh, maybe you can think back to when this happened to you, I, I've got a German word that I want to help you out with. This is some of the advice that we give. It's a real important German word. And it, it comes with uh, this, this whole kind of like dating thing when a guy comes to pick you up. Okay, and you're going to go out on, on a date with a young man. He's pursuing, he's a suitor. And you get in the car and you're driving to the date and someone cuts him off. Right, and he gets he gets a little mad. You gotta. We say this, Jen and I say, you gotta pay attention to the things that that make people mad because it defines them. Okay, so you 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 kind of take notice. You know, he loses his temper in the car. Man, I've, I got to be careful because I got a church sticker on my truck. Right, and I'm always like, <laughs> Jen's like, you gotta take that thing off. Right, <laughs> you, but you know, if he gets all mad. Like, take note, take note, ladies. You know, you get the dinner, and you know it's packed place on Friday night and they're understaffed and some poor lady is running around trying to serve you and you know the plate's not warm and something's not right and your Diet Coke's not refilled and you know your date's like getting hot, getting mad, getting angry. Take note. Take note. Okay? 
Maybe you get in the car and you're on the way to a movie. You go somewhere and you see something. You see, see a person, maybe you see an elderly person and no one's helping them. No, no one's stopping the car. No one's le- like showing compassion and kindness. And they, they don't get mad at that. Take note. You see a child and a parent and an interaction that's happening. Maybe something that's not appropriate. Something's not affectionate. Something's not kind. And you're with that date, ladies. And they don't get mad at that. They do get mad at people in the, uh, on the street. And they get mad about their plate when it's served. And they don't get mad about injustice. And they don't get mad about things that they should get mad about. Take note. Now, here's the German, German word you need to know, ladies. Here it is. You ready? Uber. Okay? Just call an Uber. All right? Uber is very, in German, very, like very quickly, call an Uber. That's what you need to get out of that scenario because what we get mad about defines us, defines us as people, defines us as a church. And the words that we have today, we're a Bible church. Uh, We love to get into God's word. We like to read it publicly. We think that something happens when we open it and we read it that the spirit of God, more than stories I would tell or anecdotes that the spirit of the living God works through this. It is the word. It's alive. It changes our lives. And the words that we're going to say right now that we're going to repeat are the words of Jesus. I'm going to tell you straight up. These are the most biting, the most severe this is some of the most pointed conversation that happens in all of the Bible. All, I mean, you, more than Old Testament? Yes. This is the son of the living God giving these words. And they're, they're harsh. He's mad. What makes Jesus mad? He tells us right here. Matthew 23, verses 13 and 14. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Our question is simple. What makes Jesus mad? Here's the answer. Here it is. False religion makes Jesus the most mad. Fake religiosity. Fake pretend relationship with God, fake righteousness, fake I've got my game together, fake I don't need God because I'm doing pretty good on my own, gets Jesus mad. Now I'll tell you, this is probably the last sermon that Jesus ever preached. Now he's got some other things that are recorded in all the gospels that he says. He's got some interactions with individuals, but this is the very last. I mean, this is a mic drop moment. If you don't know, Matthew chapter 23 is an account. It's called the seven woes. It's the seven, like woe is like, you know, with the horse, like hold up, like Come on, I'm going to reel you in. I'm going to stop your roll. Like Jesus is like seven times. He's got, I've got seven things to tell you that you're, you're wrong about. And the crux of all of them, the center heart piece of all of them is this. False religion makes Jesus mad. He's preaching to a packed house. I continue to remind you that his ministry doesn't happen always in Jerusalem. It's out in the countryside, little towns, people alongside the road. But there are these moments when he's in the city of Jerusalem and he comes there because all of of the Jews, all of the religion, they come to the most holy city of their religion during festival times where God has dictated, you shall come. So everyone, I mean, it's a packed house. All the family has come and they're on the temple mount, the holy mountain, and Jesus is up there and he's preaching the sermon and he's saying, woe to you. The common people are there and here's what they are. Shocked. 
They're not standing around like, oh, I've been waiting for these guys to get it. I'm so excited, right? They're like popping popcorn. Just those people that love conflict. And they're like, this is gonna be good. This is gonna be good. They're shocked at what Jesus has to say because Jesus is talking to a group of people called the Pharisees. When you hear the word Pharisee, even in today, if someone calls you a Pharisee, or that was Pharisaical, uh, even if you're not around church a lot, you kind of get the idea based upon the context that Pharisee means someone who is two-faced or hypocritical. Now that wasn't always the case. That's why there's a shocking moment where Jesus is stepping up to the mic. It's his last sermon. He's on the temple mount. People are everywhere. And he says, hey, you all ready? Woe to you guys. Everyone's like, what is happening? See, about 300 years before Christ is born, the Maccabean Wars are happening. During this period of Israel's history, it is a group of people that band together and say, we will not walk away from the teachings of God. We will not abandon the law. And we are going to be zealous to, to follow the word of God. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. They're like, we're going to be obedient to it. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But what happened is they became perfectionists and they started to worship what they were doing and not worship the, the one that they were doing it for. And that is where Jesus had to step up and say, woe to you guys. So for hundreds of years, these guys had, had been kind of looked up to. At the time that Christ shows up, there's about 6,000 Pharisees and their followers. The middle class businessmen, some of them are on a sincere quest for truth and holiness. Some of them are on a sincere quest. Some of them, however, a large majority of them are not. Pharisee really means to be separate. They're separate from all Gentiles. That's anyone who's not a Jew. And they're separate from any Jews who did not practice zealously the law. And Jesus shows up and he says, I've come to stop all this separation. And the way that we're doing church makes me mad. It makes me extremely angry. And I'm telling you that there's a warning for you. You don't really want to get into the kingdom of heaven. And that kingdom of heaven, it's not like it's coming one day. We're going to be on clouds and playing harps. And it's going to be a little bit boring, but not as bad as hell. No, he was saying heaven is now. That tense of the word kingdom was a present tense. You are stopping people right now from getting in. You don't want to be a part of what I'm doing. And you don't want other people to be a part of what I'm doing. There was actually a few things that they were doing that we need to know that are specific that made Jesus mad. They had a false concept of righteousness. They had a false concept of ministry. And they had a false concept of greatness. Hear that. I mean, what is it really that Jesus is talking about? They had a, a false concept of righteousness. Righteousness to them meant outward conformity to the law of God. And they ignored the inward condition of the heart. It's all rules. I'm going to tell you, when I say rules, they get granular. Like they get ridiculously down. I've said this, they've got, they talk about like the spices in your cabinet. They've got rules about your spice cabinet. Some of you don't even know if you have a spice cabinet at home. You bought something from Target for $24.99 10 years ago. You got to throw that out. Okay. Those are not good spices. That's how granular they were getting. That's, that's how into the weeds they're getting. We just, we started a CrossFit gym here at our church not long ago. And some people are going, um, and I'm proud of all you guys. I am, I am. Uh, I told our staff, uh, I'm starting a closet fit ministry, okay? 
and a charge, it's free. You come and clean closets with me. Um, and I've got less people in my closet fit ministry than we got in CrossFit. Uh, but these, these guys, were they were getting into people's closets or else. I'm going to tell you what, I don't want anyone coming and looking in, in my closets or I'm going to be like Uber, right? That's what Jesus was doing. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm coming after you. You've been coming after these people. You've got a false concept of righteousness. And they also had a false concept of ministry. They're handing down laws to people and adding to their burdens. Pharisees were harder on other people than they were on themselves. Jesus comes to lighten your burden. We are carrying sin that our bodies were not meant to carry. Our soul cannot manage the separation between us and our Father. And Jesus comes to take away that heavy burden of sin. It is legalism that always comes to religion and makes burdens heavier. Legalism comes to make burdens heavier. They were ceremonially clean, but they couldn't even have proximity to people who had vowed not to practice their laws. Ceremonially clean, but that's not how they really were. They had a false concept of greatness. Success meant recognition by men and praise from men, and they were not concerned about the approval of God. They wanted to use religion to get attraction. Here it is in a nutshell. False concept of righteousness, false concept of ministry, false concept of greatness, and Jesus shows up and says, woe to you guys. This isn't what I wanted. This is just behavior modification. We, I remember the first TV we got. Uh, I'm not because TVs weren't, I'm not that old. It's not because TVs weren't around. My family just didn't have one. And we finally, we, we broke down and mom and dad got a TV. It was a little black and white thing, you know, and you had to go up to it and turn them and turn the channel things. And uh, the first television program we ever watched without bunny ears, so I don't even, I could barely make out a picture, okay? Um, you kids don't know what bunny ears are. It's be, I'm not even gonna go there. It was a bad, it was an H, it was an HD. I'll just put it that way. But the first thing I ever watched, uh, President Reagan was running for, uh, for office and Walter Mondale's, the Democratic National Convention, Walter Mondale uh, was there and he was coming in and giving his acceptance speech for getting the ticket to run against, I believe it was Reagan. And we watched that and when it was done, because uh, that was the only thing on all three channels, right? We, we turned it off, unplugged it and uh, put it in the closet because grandma and grandpa were coming over, right? Like, and Jesus says, all the ceremony doesn't matter if the stuff that's in your closet isn't clean. He's so harsh about this. See, not only was that bad, but he says teaching other people false religion makes Jesus even more angry. He goes on in verse 15. Here's just the next verse. Jesus says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. This is not the Jesus who's like, you know, like playing with the kids, you know, like some tickle me Elmo version of Jesus, right? He's like, you are sons of hell and your offspring, the people that you're training to only be ceremonially clean, they are twice the sons of hell that you are. Your fruit, your produce is kids who are double hellions. It's incredibly like, I mean, he's like, and now we're going to sing a hymn and everyone come forward, right? It's a drop the mic moment. And Jesus gets angry because he's like, this is not the avenue. This is not where we are going. 
This is not my plan. False religion where it's not a part of the heart and it's, it's only on the outside that we're trying to look good is the thing that Jesus is in opposition to. Here's uh, our last text for the day. I think we need to get this attitude of I once was farthest away. I was farthest away. I mean, if you feel really close to God in your relationship, that's awesome. Like, I, I, I hope that all of us would have moments that we feel the whisper of God and we feel the presence of God and we feel close to God. We all want those. But if, you, if we get to the point to where, like, we don't feel like we, we need him anymore and we start to say, I've got this on my own and we start to walk around like we don't need the help of a father, we're getting too far away. We have to always remember that at one point in our lives, we were farthest away. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 23, 27, same chapter. This is one of, the, one of the woes, one of these seven big woes. He says this, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. That's like, he's almost singing a song. You hear the refrain, right? That's like the course, right? That's the course. Here's his verse. You are like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, but are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. I, I think it's fair to say that it's a really tense sermon that Jesus is preaching on the crowded day. And in this moment, know who's here. There are politicians. I mean, everyone's like, oh man, he's gonna roast these politicians. These guys got it coming, Jesus. He's got nothing to say to them. Then there's a group of religious people called the Sadducees that are liberal, okay? They don't hide their TV in their closet. They put it on a big screen outside. I don't know what they're liberal about, guys. It's just, we, we know the Sadducees on a lot of different things are liberal. And so a lot of the people of the town, they're like, oh man, Jesus is here. He's gonna give it to these liberal people. They're liberal in this way or in this way. And they need to be more strict on what God's word says. And he, he's, he doesn't point his wrath towards them. I would imagine some of the people that, they just, I don't, they're just people people. I don't know. They don't work in the temple. They don't get their money from the temple. They barely have time to come to the temple. They're just people. It's, it's a special holiday. They're there. They're listening to Jesus. They, don't, they feel like they're on the outside watching the whole thing. If anything, they're waiting for Jesus to turn to them and say, you don't pray enough. You don't come to me enough. You're not. What are you even doing on my holy mountain? Like, when's the last time you were? He doesn't turn his attention to them. He turns to the people that look like they got it all going on. And everyone's got to be like, I didn't see this coming. It's those who thought they were honoring God and manifesting an extreme form of religious observance that was actually farthest from God. We, uh, I, I just want to brag for a moment. Um, on just a little story of something that God's doing that's cool because I personally resonate deeply with it. Um, we, 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 had a, we had a group of, of, of boys uh, that, that were coming to, to, to youth group, um, a, lar a large group of them. And, um, you know, at, at times, I, mean, I remember coming to youth group uh, 
I, it wasn't like, it's Wednesday night. You know what I need? I need some biblical preaching and I got to get my worship on. No, I was like, is she going to be there? That's what I was like, right? We had a group of boys uh, and they were coming. And they, you know, so that's just how kids are sometimes. You know, they're coming there. You know, they're kicking the tires of this thing, but they're, they're not there for all, all the reasons that maybe we should be here. And here's the deal. We're not always here for all the reasons we should be. And one of our pastors, a good friend of mine, Mickey, he pulled some guys aside and set them down in the room. And he said, all right, what's her name? What's her name? I'm like, what, what are you, what are you they're, they're like, what are you talking about, man? What are you, what are you talking about? And he's like, what's her name? Why, why you're coming? What's her name? And, you know, after like 10 minutes of them, him hauling around, they, they say the name. For me, it was Jennifer. That was the name of the girl, and it worked out for me. Uh, worked out great. Not throwing stones. No judgment here. Mickey starts to talk to these young dudes. Good, good dudes, but, you know, trying to figure out life. And you know, I'll just tell you this about our student ministry. I mean, we, we got all kinds of kids here, but there's, there's a lot of hurt, a lot of hurt. A lot of kids that have one parent or no parents or two parents, but they're never around or going back and forth between parents or never knew a dad. And it's, it's not weird to hear. I know this is going to surprise some of you. It's not weird to hear bad words at church here on Wednesday nights, you know, like really, really bad ones. Okay. Because kids are just coming here being kids, not necessarily after a father. Uh, Mickey finally gets the name of the girl out and starts to get to know these guys and come to find out that, you know, they, they got hopes and dreams and uh, that we want to we play varsity sports, these kids say. They've never been able to play varsity sports, some of them. Uh, they've not had coaching and training and they haven't had parents to take them on travel ball for, you know, thousands of dollars every single weekend for 15 years, you know. And, you know, Mickey says, all right, here's the deal. Some of you need to get your grades up to be academically eligible. And some of you need some strength and conditioning. But let's, if you guys come and, um, you know, you're leaders in this youth group and uh, you just show up and, you know, be respectful and love on people, uh, we will get you a tutor. We'll take care of it. And we'll meet you here with the tutor on Monday nights. And on Thursday nights, we'll come and we'll do a special strength and conditioning for you to get you ready to compete at the varsity level at the schools that you go to. And we'll meet with you on Thursday night and use our new CrossFit gym and some of our athletes that are around here. And we'll pour into you guys. And uh, these guys started doing that. They've been doing it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, we've got some of them that have brought their grades up to academic level or where they can play now. And they're getting they're getting whooped on Thursday night by a bunch they thought were old guys that are actually a little faster than they thought. I love this part. Uh, one of our elders heard about this group and said, man, I want to be a part of that and stepped in. And he's there every single Wednesday night loving on these guys. And he said, hey, want, every now and then on a Wednesday night, we give our youth leaders a break. And some of the leaders do something special with their kids on that night. This elder said, hey, why don't you guys uh, just come to my house? I just love the, that that's who Jesus, I mean, it's just who Jesus is. When he says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house today. And I resonate with this story because I was, I was one of those kids in youth group that showed up that um, was there just looking for a girl named Jen and, um, man, ended up finding community and people that poured into me. And uh, the boys were coming over to this elder's house and they didn't know it, but uh, the defensive end named George Johnson, who played for Tampa twice in Minnesota and the Lions, who's a believer who lives here locally, was there. And uh, he got to meet with the boys and talk to them about being a believer and their faith and what it was like to really play at the highest level uh, in the NFL and really tell them that uh, 
what matters is Jesus. And just pour in them. I mean, to hear these guys, you know, and I love these boys. I love you guys. I'm proud of you guys. But the kids, they're like me. Like they probably were just coming and saw themselves a little bit like the people in this story that Jesus was talking to. And he said, Jesus said, woe to, woe to you people that think you got it all done. And then he said, y'all that think that, you know, you don't have a place, you, you got a place, you got a home, come to my house, come and, come and be here. And I, I look at this meal that we just did and this moment, and I've been here so many times in these significant moments in our church where, you know, the music's going and, you know, Rebecca's playing and leading us and we're singing these great songs to God. And I know that this is happening in this very room where there are people that are just saying, their hands are in their pockets and they're like, I know everyone else is having a moment right now, but I don't feel it. And I don't know if I believe even. And Jesus stands on this one day and this one temple courtyard. And he says, you got to understand this. It's not what it looks like. This kingdom that is a now kingdom, everyone can get in. And the thing that makes him the most mad is when people put rules and regulations and you think that you got to do all this stuff and look this certain way and come here at nine o'clock or be here at 11 or join a small group and serve in junior high and do all this stuff. You're like, I'm never going to be there. And I, I've got all these problems in my life. And Jesus stands there and he's like, that isn't it. I care about what's on the inside and the distance. The real distance between however far you are away and the, the closest you can get from God can be conquered in a second. And it's not by what you do, it's about what he does. He comes to us. And there are people standing in that crowd on that very day that thought this. I will never be a part of what's really meaningful on this mountain. I'm just gonna pass through. I'm just gonna give a meager sacrifice and hope it's good enough. And Jesus says, wrong. I have come to abolish fake religion and people that are pretending and everyone that can hear his voice through this text today in this moment. He still says it. He says this, I'm about real religion and real religion is knowing that I'm the, I'm the son. I'm the son of the one true God. And if you accept me, as that, and you put me in your life, you're obedient to biblical water baptism, and you come out, and my Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, we'll be close, we'll be together, and it doesn't matter the car you drive, or the place you are, the grades that you have in school, or the group that you used to run to, or the mistakes that you've made, or the sin that's in your life, or how guilty you feel about this past week, Jesus says, none of that matters. Your heart matters. And you can't change your heart, but Jesus does. He gives you a new one. This made him angry. He's okay if you're standing there and you're like, I don't feel it, I don't feel it. And feelings come later. Make a, make a choice based upon fact that he stands supreme above all religions because he is the only God that came and was one of us and never sinned. I always struggle when I teach this message about the Pharisees because it's probably the group I fit into the most. I work at the temple. I preach God's word. I, I, I kind of grew up as a church kid. And... Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always, um, just in my heart, I want to just make sure the, the record is accurate. Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and Jesus took time to, to talk to Nicodemus, soften his heart, and explain gently the way to heaven. Joseph of Arimathea was a Pharisee, and 
he let Jesus borrow his grave for three days and he was a part of that early Christian brotherhood. Acts chapter five, uh, there's a Pharisee by Gamil who stands up in front of all the Pharisees and they're trying to stomp out Christianity. And he says, whoa, if he is the son of God, if Jesus is the son of God, you're gonna be fighting him. You're gonna be fighting God if you try to stop this. If he's not the son of God, it will just die out. Let it run its course. If you say, man, I'm mad that Jesus would talk to Pharisees like that. I'm like, hey, hey, his heart is for everyone. But I'm gonna tell you what Jesus is in direct opposition to. He is mad and he is in opposition when we walk around like I don't need him. I've got my own righteousness. Self-righteousness is unrighteousness. And the righteousness that we all need to claim is not ours, but we need to boast in the righteousness of Jesus. And if you can't do that today, the invitation is here and now for you to accept the righteousness of Jesus in your life. If you don't understand that, we'll explain it to you. I want to ask that you would stand and we're going to sing this new song. I love the words of this new song because all the songs that we sing here as we're contemplating our lives in these precious moments before we dive out on these, like all of our songs, they boast about the righteousness of Jesus and not our righteousness. Father God, would you pour your spirit out upon us? The things that make you mad. And we, we don't want to be in opposition to you. We don't want to be one of these people that have fake righteousness and things might look good on the outside, but inside we're, we're wicked and we're dying and we just need you. Help us admit it. Help us come to you. Pour your spirit out on us. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.